Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, and welcome to Passion and the Plague, a podcast from The Independent where we take you back to a lockdown long ago. It's 1348. As the Black Death sweeps across Europe, a group of friends flee the Italian city of Florence to quarantine the countryside. They tell each other stories to keep themselves entertained, and the idea of Giovanni Boccaccio's Decameron, one of Europe's great literary achievements, is born. In this series, you'll hear ten stories from the book read by people in self-isolation across the country as we tackle the 21st century version of the play. Today's episode is Andreuccio. Enjoy. A new day had brought the sun and the birds singing in the trees. Our friends woke from their sleep and were served breakfast in the garden of the house, picking flowers from the dewy grass and weaving them into garlands. Then, in the afternoon, as before, they met in the green meadow beneath the willows. Another of the women, whom we'll call Philomena, wore the laurel crown that day. She begged her companions to begin on a theme of the tricks of fortune and how you can still achieve happiness in spite of her. Then she chose another of the ladies to speak, to whom we'll give the name Naifile. Naifile smiled and gazing around at her companions, began, keeping strictly to the Queen's chosen theme. Not long ago, in the town of Perugia, lived a young man known as Andriuccio di Pietro. He was a horse dealer by trade, and hearing reports of how excellent the horses were in Naples, and how many great bargains might be had, he stuffed a good lot of Florentine gold into his purse, and despite the fact he'd never left home before, set off for the south with a handful of other merchants that he knew. It was Sunday evening when he arrived and getting dark, so it was only the next morning when he headed towards the market, following the directions he'd been given by the innkeeper. There were so many horses, many of them fine, and he took a liking to several and made offers to their owners, but he couldn't strike a single bargain. In desperation, he kept pulling out his purse, bulging with gold and weighing it ostentatiously in his palm for all to see. He was a bit of an innocent, it has to be said, in the ways of the world. With his purse in full dangle, so to speak, It happened that a young Sicilian woman passed near him without attracting attention to herself. She was, as such women always are, very beautiful, but she was also on the lookout for an easy trade. Andrew Uccio's full purse was too much of a temptation. Nevertheless, 
she walked on. An older woman, also Sicilian, was with her, but when she laid eyes on Angiuccio, she held back, rushed over to him and threw her arms about him. She'd been a servant of his father, Pietro, both when Pietro lived in Palermo in Sicily and after he'd moved to Perugia. And the young woman said nothing, dawdling on until her older companion could catch up with her. Andriuccio, of course, recognised the woman and was glad to have a friend in a city he was beginning to find a little unfriendly. She promised she'd come and visit him in his inn as soon as possible, then she went on her way. And Andriuccio returned to the seemingly futile business of buying horses. Now, as she made her way back home, the younger woman began to ask her older companion questions. Where Andriuccio was from, what he was doing in Naples, who were his family. And the older woman, who liked to talk, it has to be said, couldn't have given her a better account of his life, his family and his affairs if Andriuccio himself had been there. Fully informed was fully armed. And so the young woman thought of how best to relieve poor Andriuccio of all that money burdening his purse. Once home, she sent her maid to the inn where she'd learned Andriuccio was staying. The girl, who was an adept at this sort of thing, arrived toward evening and, by chance, came upon Andriuccio as he was leaving the inn. And she didn't know him from Adam and asked him where she might find Andriuccio. And when he said who he was, she drew him to one side. Sir, there's a lady who really wants to speak to you, if you know what I mean. That's if you don't mind and you have the inclination. Andriuccio, on looking himself up and down and feeling himself a good-looking piece of work, really thought he'd scored. Then the poor woman must have seen him in the market and been immediately smitten. So he was up for an adventure. Come whenever you want, sir, said the maid. She'll be waiting at her house. Lead the way, Andriuccio eagerly replied. And without leaving any message at the inn for his companions, he followed the maid to the lady's house, which was in a quarter of the city called the Black Hole, which ought to have given an idea of what sort of district it was. But Andriuccio was oblivious to any of this, thinking he'd entered a very respectable area indeed. At the door, Andriuccio swaggered in. The maid had already let her mistress know he'd arrived, and as he climbed the stairs, he saw the lady standing above him. She was young, tall, with a very beautiful face. Her clothes and jewellery breathed good taste, so he thought. Before he could reach her, she came down three steps and embraced him around the neck, hanging there for some time without speaking, as if a powerful emotion held her back. Her eyes full of tears, she kissed his brow and said, falteringly, Oh, Andre Ucho, how I have longed to see you. Madam, the pleasure is mine. She took his hand and led him up the last few steps to the main room of the house and then, without saying a word, into her bedroom, which was filled with the scent of roses, orange blossom and other lovely things. He saw a fine 
four post to bed, beautiful dresses hanging from pegs and other expensive looking knickknacks. Surely this was a lady of quality, if ever he'd met one. She asked him to sit by her on a chest at the foot of the bed and began her story. Andriucho, I'm sure you must be puzzled by the way I greeted you. You don't know me at all, but but I treat you like a long-lost brother. Well, that's because I am your long-lost sister. I've always dreamed of meeting my brothers, but I, I never thought I would. Now that God has allowed me to see one of them, I shall die happy when the time comes, but I expect you know nothing about this, so let me tell you. Pietro, my father, as well as yours, lived in Palermo many years, which you must know. He was much loved there, but no more so than by my mother, who was a widow, a lady of good breeding. In fact, she loved Pietro so much, she ignored her father, her brothers, her good name and gave herself to him. In short, she gave birth to the woman you see beside you now. Well, when I was still a little girl, Pietro had to go away from Palermo and return to Perugia, leaving my mother and me in the lurch, fending for ourselves, and as far as I know, without a qualm. I should be angry with him, not so much on my behalf as on my mother's, who gave him everything body and soul. But let's not dwell on that. He abandoned me when I was a tiny child in Palermo. When I was grown, my mother, who was still a wealthy woman, found a good husband for me. Then, for all sorts of political reasons I won't go into now, my husband was forced to flee Palermo and I came here to Naples, where we've lived ever since. We live well, as you see, on a pension from the king. And that, my Darling brother is how I came to be in Naples, where, thanks more to God than to you, I, I've met you at last. The tears with which she ended, the terms of endearment, the kisses and embracing, all convinced Andrea that she was indeed his long-lost sister from Sicily. He remembered how his father really had been in Palermo, and it wasn't beyond the realms of belief that he might have treated this woman's mother so cavalierly. All this put together with her brilliant acting satisfied him that she was telling the truth. You must think me a clod, he said. I swear my father never breathed a word about you or your mother, but I cannot say how over the moon I am to find my sister in Naples because I was feeling a bit lonely and lost here and I can't think of a better sister to find than you. There is one thing I was wondering. How did you know I was here? Without missing a beat, she replied, a poor old woman who often comes to see me because she was with our father in Palermo and Perugia told me earlier that she had met you in the market. And if I hadn't been too shy to visit you at your inn rather than ask you here, I would have found you hours ago. Cunningly, she began to ask about their relatives, knowing their names from the old woman, and he was happy to talk. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. 
It was a hot evening. And they'd been together some time. So she sent for chilled wine and something to eat and wouldn't hear of it when he said he should go back to his lodgings where his companions would be waiting on him. Really? You're going to eat with me? I'm only sorry my husband isn't home, but I can still offer you more than a sad supper in some inn. And Ryucho stuck for a reply, but only agree when she said she would send a messenger to let his friends know he would not be back that evening. The lady made a pretense of sending word to the inn, then they sat down to a fine supper, which she cunningly extended until it was completely dark outside. When Andriuccio said he really had to go, she would hear none of it. Naples was far too dangerous a place for someone to be wandering about at night. He swallowed everything, taken in by a clever charade, and agreed to stay. After they'd eaten, and she'd entertained him with more chat, she left Andriuccio to sleep in her room. A boy would help him find whatever he needed while she would sleep in another room with her maid servant. The heat was now stifling and alone at last, Andrucho stripped to his shirt, leaving his clothes under a cushion. But nature called, particularly after so long and rich a meal. So he asked the boy where he should go and was shown a door in a corner of the room. Relieved, Andrucho marched straight out and immediately fell through a loose plank, tumbling down a good height to a narrow alley below. He was mercifully uninjured because of what he fell into, but found himself covered, head to foot, in the shit everyone in the neighbourhood threw into that alley, which he now discovered was a common latrine. He was literally swimming in it. Andriucho, swearing loudly, called for the boy. But the cheeky lad had already hurried off to tell his mistress, who was even then rummaging through Andrew's clothes for the money, which he had stupidly carried about with him for safety. Having found it, she locked the door through which he had fallen. Poor Andrew began to call more loudly, but there was no reply. He began to suspect all was not right, that he had been bamboozled. And having tumbled over a low wall dividing the alley from the street, he went to the front door and started calling out and hammering on the wooden frame. Nothing happened. No one came, except for the maid, who poked her head through an upper window and told him to sod off. Oh, poor me, he exclaimed. I've lost 500 gold florins and a sister and one night. And he said a lot more besides and began pummeling the door anew. Neighbours leaned out and told him to go home and stop wrecking their sleep. The maid came back and said, a little more civilly this time, you there, if you've drunk too much, go and sleep it off and come back in the morning. There's no one's sister here. What, said Andrew, am I going mad? Is this how Sicilians go about discovering blood relatives and then forgetting them? Then, he added in a more conciliatory tone, at least let me have my clothes back and I'll go quietly. He must be dreaming, she replied, barely concealing her laughter and slamming the window shut. Andrew's hollering and the complaints of the neighbours now brought a new character to the scene, the woman's minder, a fierce, growling hulk of a man whose bearded head emerged from the same window the maid had just quit. In threatening tones, he told the hapless youth he'd beat him to a fucking pulp if he didn't piss off and go home. Andrew was terrified now, 
and urged by the gentler of the neighbours who were beginning to understand what might have happened, he decided to head back to his inn, but he had no idea which direction it was. All he knew was that he'd been robbed of all of his money and was the most miserable person alive. He hadn't gone far when he became aware of just how badly he smelled and thought it might be better to wash off the shit and grime in the sea. So he turned down a street known as the Roga Catalana when he caught sight of two people coming towards him carrying a lantern. Now, terrified now that it might be the police or worse, a couple of cutthroats, he hid himself in an old shed nearby. But the two men followed him in. One put down some iron tools he'd been carrying and began talking quietly to the other. Then his companion suddenly stopped him and said, what is that god-awful stench? He raised his lantern and caught a glimpse of Andriucho cowering in the corner of the hut. They demanded to know who he was and what he was doing there, and after a while, because he had no other choice, he told them all his adventures since arriving in Naples the day before. Well, said one of the men with a chuckle, you know, you may have lost all your money, but it's a bit of luck you fell, because if he'd stayed in that house much longer, they'd have cut your throat, without a doubt. Then... The two men whispered together a short while, and the first one said, Look, friend, we feel sorry for you, and since we were on our way to do a job, we'll let you join us. We could do with another hand, and we guarantee that what you'll earn will make up for what you lost. Thinking he had little choice, Andrucho nervously agreed to go with them. As it happens, a few hours before the funeral of the great Archbishop of Naples, Messer Filippo Minutolo, had taken place in the cathedral. He had been buried in all his fancy tat, wearing a ruby on his finger that was worth at least 500 gold coins. And it was this that these fellows were after. They told him their plan, and being more in need of money than wise, he agreed to help. The night was already half done by now, so they made their way to the cathedral and slipped inside without difficulty. The new tomb was obvious, clean, white, marble and massive. They got out the tools they brought with them and began to lever up the huge lid, propping it open with a crowbar with just enough room for a man to squeeze inside. But who was going to go in? Neither of Andrew's companions dared to and he wasn't exactly keen. So they rounded on him menacingly. If you don't bloody well get in there, we'll give you such a thumping with these iron bars, you'll soon be joining the good archbishop there. Trembling a little now, Andriucho heaved his bum up onto the rim of the tomb and crawled inside, thinking to himself, I don't trust these two. They'll leave me here once they've got what they want and I'll be struggling to get out while they bugger off down to the city. So he thought he'd make sure of his own loot before handing anything else out. As soon as he reached the floor of the vault, he could just make out the body of the archbishop, and remembering the ring, fumbled about for the priestly hand and took it from the archbishop's finger, putting it on his own. Then... He began to pass up to his companions the crozier, the mitre and the embroidered gloves and in this way stripped the body down to its shirt. What about the ring? One of them called down to him. 
He told them there was nothing left and after pretending to do a thorough search, he said he just couldn't find it. Well, these men had never really been Andriucho's friends and ordering him to go on looking, one of them took away the prop supporting the lid, which promptly slammed back down with a loud thud. They made off, leaving Andriucho inside the tomb. Frantically, the poor young man tried to lift the lid, using his head, his shoulders, but it was no use. Eventually, he collapsed on the archbishop's corpse. When Andriucho came to his senses a few minutes later, he burst into tears, knowing that he was done for. Either he'd rot along with the archbishop in his tomb, or if someone were to find him, he'd be hanged as a tomb robber. Pondering these two horrible ends to his story, he thought he heard murmuring in the church. After a while, from the muffled conversation, he realised that whoever they were, they were about the same work he and his erstwhile companions had already carried out. Now, he was really worried. But the new group of robbers, having opened the tomb and propped up the lid, also began to argue about who would go inside to get the loot. A terrible smell was coming from inside. Not exactly decomposing flesh, more like, well, shit. One of their number, a priest, came forward, saying, For God's sake, what's there to be afraid of? Do you think he's going to bite you? Dead men don't eat the living. I'll go in myself. So he heaved his chest onto the rim of the tomb, swung his legs around and dropped them down, intending to lower himself inside. Andreuccio, thinking quickly for once, reached up and seized one of the priest's legs and sank his teeth into it. Jesus fucking Christ! The priest's screams echoed about the cathedral and he threw himself from the tomb. He and the rest of his companions fled the church as if the devil himself were after them, leaving the tomb open. Andreuccio, seeing his chance to escape, clambered quickly out and left the cathedral by the way he'd come. Dawn was streaking the sky with pale brush strokes behind the city. And he was wandering about, lost, with the great ruby ring on his finger. Eventually, he found the waterfront, threw himself into the waves to wash off all the stink. And from there was able to make his way to his inn, where his worried companions and the innkeeper had been up all night waiting for him. They couldn't stop him from telling them everything that had happened. And the innkeeper advised him to go back to Perugia at once. And this Andreuccio did, having found in a ring the money he'd lost on his way to buy horses. This episode of Passion and the Plague was narrated by me, Kevin Childs, and the storyteller, Neyufile, was played by Kathy Naden. 
Subscribe to this series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever you listen so you'll never miss an episode. If you've enjoyed this story and want to read more from the Decameron, there's a link in the description to buy the book. Thank you for listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.